Coming up on episode 233 of Wheel Bearings, we've got hybrid Ford F-150s, escape plug-in hybrids, V8-powered Jet and Grand Cherokees, poor fuel economy on new mail trucks, uh, dealers charging too much money, and a redesigned spirit of ecstasy. All that and more coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. Episode 233 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abul Sandwich from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakelin from True Car. And I am Roberto Baldwin. And I, uh, what do I do? Oh, I do a column, column every week on LifeWire about EVs. Go read it. All right. Um, so, what, what have you been driving this week, Mr. Baldwin? Oh, man, I'm first. We don't know if we're first or not until Sam says something. He, he springs it at us, and we both sit here like, oh, gosh, oh, gosh am I ready? Am I ready? Oh, oh, it's not me. Oh, it's not me. Oh, it's not me. Are you ready? If, you, if you're not ready, I can make it. <laughs> no, no. That's, I, I, that's why he's stalling, because he knows he's not ready. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like, hey. Da, da, da. Um, I drove the 2021 Ford Escape uh, PHEV, um, the front-wheel drive version. Uh, it is a— The only okay. version. Yeah, yeah. well, there you go. <laughs> There is no all-wheel drive plug-in hybrid. Yeah, which which is sort of sad. Um, I I, kind of wish there was. Um, Overall, I think it's a it's a good vehicle. It's not. It's it's tough because it's 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 battling the Rav Four. That's a that's a tough, especially the Rav Four, the Rav Four Prime, and that is a that is a tough vehicle to battle in the PHEV market in that's in that uh in that range. And if you're looking at the and you're looking at the Rav4 Prime, then you're like, ooh, it's a. But having said that, I liked it more than I thought I would. Um, I feel like uh, older generation escapes just sort of, uh, I don't know, they just sort of irritated me for some <laughs> reason. They, they just sometimes you'll get in a car and they just kind of bug you. Um, the 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 last two generations Chevy Malibu did that. And I think that was oh, more. I didn't like, ooh. Yeah, no one liked the Malibu, mm. um, and no. it wasn't that it was a bad car because it's hard to really build a bad car because manufacturing has gotten so uh, good over the last twenty years. It's just that a, it just wasn't like when you look at the Accord and the Camry and literally anything else in the market, it wasn't as good as those. Plus, I think for that car, what happened was you just kept thinking about what the Malibu used to be, like this cool mm. car, like mm-hmm. oh, I got a Malibu, and then you get into this like. Junk box of a vehicle, <laughs> which they, which, which, which they have now. Like it's no, it's it's gone. It's it. The Malibu is gone. I hope they bring it back as like a, a sweet like EV muscle car sometime in the future. The Ford Escape is now better than it was. It's not as good as the Rav4, unfortunately. Um, it has uh, it's PHEV. Um, their uh, their MPGs, you know, gas only is 40. And then the MPGE, which is like some made-up weird thing that the EPA has to like come up with to make people feel better, um, is uh, 105, which is like ooh. I got really good, um, just mixed um, MPG around like 50, 51, which is pretty good. Um, That's so bad. Yeah, um, but the weird thing was better when I some did. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was really. I was like, oh, okay. Now, their all-electric range is 38 miles. That's what it's supposed to be. 
Um, or 30, I'm, I'm looking at the, the Monroney right now. 38, 0 to 8, 38. And then, but then it says 37 on the, I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't matter because it didn't hit that. It hit 28 um, during my test. Now, I did it at night. So I don't, I, I try to do it at uh, these, these, um, these PHEV tests, these elect, all electric tests at night. So I don't get stuck in traffic, which sort of throws off the whole thing. Um, I try to do it after rush hour. So it's about the same amount of traffic every night around 7-ish p.m., I do the same route just around my neighborhood. There's, you know, I live near an interstate. I live near mountain roads. I live near, you know, urban. So I do the same route, and it just, I thought it would be, do better because it was doing so well. And um, so it's like 28, which is not great. Um, and I was like, okay, that's what it got. But it's still, that's what it is. yeah. I'm like, all right. Um, I'm sure probably other people have gotten better. I don't. Yeah, I got, I got 40 when I did it. When I yeah, did it, last it was fall. really, it was really weird. I was like, kind of like, what is happening? Um, but yeah, 28. And just, I maybe, I, I don't know, maybe do my math, check my math. I don't know. But it was 28. Um, it, uh, it, it, the, the, the blend of electric to motor is really nice. I didn't have any issues. It doesn't feel like it's sort of herky-jerky between um, old generation hi- uh, hybrids and PHEVs had this like weird, like, it's gas, now it's electric, now it's gas, now it's electric, <laughs> now it's gas. And are, are you, are the engine just starts making all this crazy noise <laughs> because it's, it's spinning, but it's not really, you know, that's, that noise <laughs> doesn't translate to what's happening with the wheels. Um, it doesn't yeah, match. It, yeah, it doesn't match. And it doesn't have any of that. So overall, it, you know, it's, it's, it did really well. Um, and uh, I, my biggest, really my biggest complaint about this vehicle um, was the seats. I could not get comfortable in these seats. They were just a little bit too squishy. Was it because you're taller? Like, it just didn't, I like, think, or was I it just in general, you're like, mm, I don't like these. I just didn't like them. And, and you know, the, the, um, the uh, I want to call them the John Cooper Mellencamp uh, minis. <laughs> I also hate those seats as yes. well. For a different reason. Um, the John Cooper Mellencamp minis. Uh, well, and, and this is this is a prime example of you know what we said John before. That why you you should never buy a car without test driving it first. Ever. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Because every seat is different. You know, our seats in every vehicle are different, and you know everybody's body is different. And some seats just won't fit your body no matter what you do. Yeah, that's yeah. that's. It, I, I felt like I and and. I've gotten in cars where people are like, oh, I love the seats in this car, and I will get into the car, and I'm like, I can't. I, I got out after my uh, the mileage run, I got out of the car. I was like, ugh. Like, and, no, after, the, after my, like, where I just drive the car for hours and hours, just sort of get a feel for it um, without worrying about mileage. Um, I just, I just, I was just, my, my felt like my back was wrecked. Oh, geez, that's not good. So I was just like, well, is it? It's, and again, this, this like, you know, yeah, still 28. I'm still looking at my numbers. I'm still looking at my <laughs> 28. Um, yeah, and again, it that I think it really comes out. It's like your, like your, your, what, what is it? The bed, the the beds that you can adjust. The adjustable oh, like, beds. Oh, oh like the craftmatic adjustable. Yeah, bed. yeah, the sleep bed. number bed. It's like a sleep number bed situation. You know. You, Lots of people have probably gotten in this vehicle, have sat down and been like, oh, these are the best seats I've ever sat in. I love these seats. They're nice and squishy. They're, they're billowy. They're great. I get in and I'm like, oh, oh this will be fine. And then after a few hours behind the road, I'm like, this is not fine. And at the same time, I can get into a uh, like, like a 
essentially a race car with race seats, and those are completely. I love those. I feel like those are just built for my body. That's it. That's the only like they looked at me and they're like, yeah, let's make make it for this guy. It'll be fine. Those are great. I could sit in those seats for hours <laughs> and get <laughs> a nice squishy seat in the uh, Ford Escape. Uh, no, not so much. So, you know, like like Sam was saying, get into the car, drive it, sit in it, kind of like. Know, know what you like like get into your car you own right now and if how you know when you're driving hours and hours you're still comfortable when you get out of that car remember how your car feels how you know the and, you know some of the squishiness and some of it's gone because you've been sitting in it for you know probably hundreds of thousands of miles right but like kind of get a sense of like what you like when you're behind the wheel um Especially, and a good way to do that is is also uh, when you rent cars, see how those cars feel, and then go out and find a car and sit in it. Because if you buy a car that you absolutely adore, and then it turns out the seats just do not agree with you, oh, that's gonna be a it's gonna be a bad time. Uh, overall, though, the you know the Ford Escape, the the, the uh, weird uh, mileage issue aside, and the fact that my body doesn't like squishy seats. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's you know I think it, it's a solid vehicle. It's a it's a it, I think it's a win for Ford. I think they're going to they, they probably sold a billion of these as Ford tends to do. Um, I'm sad it's, it's front wheel drive. The version I drove it's the the I got the titanium. Yeah, the titanium version. So of course you know all the things. Um, so the 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 price was forty three thousand dollars, which. Right. It's sure. it's not inexpensive. It's, it's not, not cheap. No, but it, then again, not. you know, not much is these days anymore. That's true. Like nothing's inexpensive anymore. So you know, it's it's a it's it's not cheap. Um, if you're a Ford fan, if you've been driving Fords forever, um, you'll probably be more than happy just to hop behind the wheel. And um, you know, Sam got forty-ish uh, miles. I got twenty-seven. Um, I'm not sure what the discrepancy is in that. Still, uh, were you driving uphill all the way? No, it was just uphill saying, both I, ways. I, see, there's there are hills uh, like around where I live, but I, other cars have gotten way better mileage. I don't, yeah, and, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if, it might have been. If, I if think you're going I, up and down. I mean, on the downhill side, you're going to make up mileage that you, you know, what you lose on the going uphill. So yeah, yeah, it all evens out in the end. Yeah, so I think maybe my driving is more mixed when it comes up hills and then the downhill. It doesn't have that much. You, you can see it's sort of like charging as you're slowing down. But it's not, you know, a lot. So maybe mm-hmm. that's you know, maybe in some of the other vehicles I've done, they have a little bit more regen, and so that helps them. Um, I do live in a sort of a hilly area, um, Northern California. I mean, I look out. I live on a hill. That's a <laughs> there's, there's a hill over there, and a hill everywhere. over there, and a hill over there. That's why we have great roads because we have to drive around all these crazy hills. So there's that. Um, so yeah, overall, Ford Escape front wheel drive. Uh, if you don't want a Rav Four, that's the yeah. yeah well, you know, for for what it, for what it's worth, um, you know, I think part of the reason why Ford opted not to do an all-wheel drive version, at least for now, on the Escape plug-in hybrid, is because they also have the um, Lincoln Corsair, which um, the plug-in hybrid version of that, the at the front, you've got the exact same engine and hybrid drive system and then they added a rear electric motor an electric motor on the rear axle to drive the rear wheels so you get all-wheel drive with that one similar setup to what toyota's got on the rav4 prime mm-hmm. um so uh, i think at least for a year or two they want to you know have that be something that is 
only for Lincoln. And then, you know, at some point they might add an all-wheel drive version, all-wheel drive option to the Escape. Um, <clears throat> Could be. I, I, yeah, I think the... the uh, it, it looks better, but I think that the, the, the baller thing... I, I want the Ford Bronco Sport we have. Yeah. That's, oh, that'd that's, be cool. That's, yeah, see, and that's the, you know, that's, and I think that's, that's sort of like, okay, this is, you know, this is a good car, but it could be so much better because the Bronco Sport is so much better. It's not that much more expensive from the, you know, it's a couple thousand dollars more. Um, well, I don't know now because of dealer markups, but um, in, 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 in fantasy world where, where we don't have insane dealer markups for anything with the word Bronco attached to it, it's only a few thousand dollars more. So, People pay normal prices for things. Yeah. And- so you know, if you if you need a if you love Ford, if you need a solid again, it's a solid car. It's not a bad car. There's nothing you know inherently wrong with it. Um, it gets good gas mileage if Sam's driving it. Not so great if I'm driving it. <laughs> <laughs> you got the Ford Escape. Not, not everything gets good gas mileage in my hands, and we'll talk <clears throat> about that later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, the overall MPG was really good. It was like fifty something. So I'm just like, what's what's happening? That's yeah, it weird. was it was really weird. I I I, I probably should have done like three tests and seen what what was and and picked you know throw out the top and the bottom and and tap the middle. But you know, yeah. you well, know I, mean, I got a week with the car and you're just like, okay, these are the days I'm doing this. This is the day I'm doing right, this. Right when so, you can do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When, when I think when I drove the the Corsair plug-in hybrid in December, um, that one got about 28 miles uh, on a charge. But you know, it's also significantly heavier. Yeah, it's dragging more than the Escape is. You know, it's got a lot more equipment in there. You've got that rear electric motor. <clears throat> so it's, you know, it, it's it's doing a lot more work. So I expect, you know, I expect that one to be, I think it was like five or 600 pounds heavier than the Escape plug-in yeah. hybrid. Uh, so I expect that to get less range. Um, so I'm, I'm really kind of surprised that you got that little with that one. But I, again, yeah, I get it. Was, yeah, sometimes I guess it's just, it was just a, you know, maybe it's a fluke. I'll, I'll, I'll have to figure out what happened. Um, again, the blending was so good. Mm-hmm. The vehicle blending, the hybrid system blending has gotten so – it's like up there with, with BMWs uh, blending yeah, well, right Ford, now. Ford's been doing hybrids for a long time now. You know, so. They launched the first Escape hybrid back in 2005, four or five. You know, so they've been doing them 16, 17 years now, almost as long as Toyota. And so you know, I, would, I would expect them to be able to, to you know, make it perform really well. Yeah. But I, think, I don't think people like, really think about Ford when they think hybrids. Because you everyone think thinks, which is, which I is think everyone, Ford, everyone Ford. thinks Toyota. Yeah, yeah. Toyota is like Prius. Yeah, and you know Ford globally, Ford is the second has sold the second most, second greatest number of hybrids, only behind Toyota. Yeah, but no one remembers who got the silver medal. That's true. We all remember Mary <laughs> well, Lou Retton. We don't remember who got silver at that at those. We really Olympics. don't. Yeah, who who got silver in the ninety eight four Olympics? Some other girl who not was Mary, Mary, not Mary, not Lou, Mary Lou, Lou Mary Lou won. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, all right. Nicole, what have you been in? I am in a 2022 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4x4. And I have to do a shout out to Jeep because the last couple cars I've gotten have not had the Monronis that I, they, they are like other cars or their other trims <laughs> or there's just not one at all. And I'm like, well, wing it. Today, I have this perfect little Monroni. It's like a little cardboard cutout and it has like, it's like heavy cardstock and Ooh. it has every last stinking detail. And these are the ones that are in the cars. Like if you go on a drive program with Jeep, they oh, put yeah. these little cardboardy things. 
I was so happy. I'm like, boy, it doesn't take much on a Sunday morning. I'm like, oh, a Monroney that's actually right. I was so happy. So thank you, Jeep, for putting these in your cars when you send them out into the fleets because it made my life easy. So that's what I was driving. It has a 5.7 liter V8 Hemi, 357 horsepower, 390 pound-feet of torque, eight-speed automatic. Um, it's it, You feel that. You, it feels like a big, beefy vehicle when you're driving it. Um, but what I like about that, this isn't like a downmarket vehicle. It's pretty fancy, especially in the Overland. Um, you don't want it to feel like you're driving something like rough and ready. And even though you feel the power of this vehicle, it never feels harsh. It never feels too much. The engine isn't overly loud. Like, you know, it's doing its job, but it's still like well-mannered. It's like, oh, you're, you're driving along in your Jeep. You're, you're just, you know, cruising on the highway. Now you want it to feel like a nice highway cruiser. And it does. It does a fantastic job of that. That's neat because having taken this off-road, you can really take this off-road and it's truly capable, which is a sort of like strange dichotomy. It's like I can have my fancy little on-road vehicle and then I can go thrash it on the weekends and get it dirty and take it over rocks, which is kind of what makes Jeeps really cool. Um, this one had a base price of $55,305. So base price, pricey, but not insane. Once you add in all the options that are on the one that I am driving, $70,360. That is $15,000 worth of options on this. Um, and I was looking like, so what did we pay extra? We paid 400 bucks for silver Zenith exterior paint. I don't know that I'd pay $400 for silver, but somebody, yeah, somebody okay. will. All right. Like silver silver's, paint. Okay. Silver's like cheap, the zero paint. That's the zero dollar paint. But okay, go well, for it. This isn't just silver, Robbie. Zenith. This is Sil silver, silver zenith. zenith exterior paint. Is it made from ground up Zenith televisions? I don't know, but it's <laughs> like spelled Z-Y-N-I-T-H. Isn't Zenith Z-Y-N-E-T-H? Or am I thinking of the TV? I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> it also gets a luxury tech group number four. This is where the money starts coming from. It's $2,000. An advanced protection group, $2,000. A black roof, $700. A front passenger interactive display, which is a grand, and I'll talk about that. Rear seat entertainment is another $2,000. And the Uconnect 5 navigation with 10.1-inch display is Seventeen hundred dollars, plus the seventeen ninety five destination fee. Rounding things a little Ooh. bit, that's how you get to seventy grand in your Jeep Grand Cherokee. So the luxury group really does. It does feel like a luxury car. You get Napa leather seats. You get a wireless charging pad. There's a 12-way adjustable driver's seat and front passenger seat. You got four-zone automatic climate control. So it does all the cute little fun luxury things that you want in a car to make it feel like it's a fancy pants vehicle, and it does that. Um, then you get some other stuff in this advanced production group, which is like, it has this one feature that is so cool. Okay, night vision with pedestrian and animal detection. Have either of you driven this and played with that? Yes. Uh, not on the Jeep, but I have on the Cadillac Escalade. Uh, okay. It has a similar system where when at night, when you turn that on in the display, it'll, it'll put a little bounding box when it detects animals or, or people yeah. around you. So it's super cool. And I was playing with it. I thought, what better night to turn this on? We got a storm in in typical New England fashion. It's like, you guys, it's just going to be like a little dusting. Oof, tons of snow and ice and sleet. And the roads are a mess. And you can't. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad I picked tonight to go out to dinner. So we're driving back. I'm like, I'm going to try this as I'm going on these like twisty, turny New Hampshire scenic back roads that are the only way to get to this stupid restaurant that we picked. 
So I turned this on. It was really cool how well it sort of cleared up the the fuzz of the snow and the sort of harsh how hard it was to see. Suddenly you're like, I can literally see where the edge of the snowbank is. Like you can see the curve of the snowbank. And the neat thing was, and this wasn't like a danger thing, but there was someone in their driveway on the far side of their car clearing off their car. They weren't coming out into the road. They weren't anywhere near like being in danger. But all of a sudden, I see this flash of yellow. And I'm like, what did I just see on the screen? It flashes again. It was picking up the person on the other side of their car and warning me that there was a person there so that I could see it. And I totally, honest to God, had no idea she was there except for this because she's a fancy little yellow box. Like first it sort of picks up the fact that there's a person and you can kind of see the person moving and then it gives the box. I couldn't even see the person, but it knew there was something there. So if there was like an animal or something about to run into the road, that totally would have given you that warning. Like there is a deer hiding behind that tree that is about to run out into you. Um, I thought it was really cool. And then I had my husband get out and like play with it. And it's kind of neat when he first walks in front of the car he's just glowy and you see like him and it's like as if you see like the trees and the other objects that are around you he has to get enough that the system can go that's not just something that's a human and it's before his whole body really is in front of it relatively quickly it realizes nope that's a moving living thing and it makes this little yellow box so that you can't possibly miss it or if you're like focusing on the road and you're just kind of using that sort of as a backup helper thing that yellow box gets your attention it's really neat and that's part of that advanced protect, pro-tech, not protect, pro-tech group. Pro-tech. Pro because you can trademark pro-tech, not protect. Is right. it T-E-C-H, like pro, like professional yes, technology? Like, yes, pro-tech group, and it's pro-tech group number three. Not protect, like, like protect mambo serve, number, like, the, like yeah. mambo number five. Like mambo number five, only with fancy night vision. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really neat because I have uh, getting to play with that in a situation where you thought this is exactly where you wouldn't be able to see that there was a dog or a deer or some animal coming out in front of you. And it was it, it totally worked. I was like, go, go engineering people. That was really nifty. So I like that. The thing that we didn't like my daughter didn't like it because really this is her playing with it. She's 18. She was sitting in the front seat and she was playing with a little interactive display that because there's a display screen on the passenger side and you really can't see it from the driver's side. If you try and see it from the driver's side, it's like as if you had looking at someone's laptop that has a screen protect, uh, like a privacy screen in front of it. You cannot see it from the angle where you're sitting. And I, when the car was parked, I tried to see how far over I had to lean. And literally my head is like on her shoulder before I can even remotely tell that there's something on that screen. So there's no way the driver's going to be able to like zone out and watch with on that screen. That's good. I don't know. I don't know if this was a setting, but every time we turned the car off and on, we had to go back in and say, yes, activate this. Yes. Let her use this every single time. Uh, And I don't know if there was a setting, but I could not find it. And we like poked around everywhere and it's like buried, you know, so that was my only quibble with that. And it, it didn't do as much, like, features-wise, she was kind of like, well, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do the other thing. So I think for her, she wanted it to do sort of almost everything you could do on the infotainment, but not be the actual infotainment, and like mm-hmm. let you. And it doesn't do that. It's very limited in the features. So nifty, but she was unimpressed. And I'm giving have, her review because she's the one who had to use it. So does it have does it have Tetris? Um, <laughs> I don't I don't know if it had Tetris. She's 18. She'd have she'd be like Tetris. What's that? No, kids know Tetris. I don't know. Maybe they don't. Did it have the uh, the Amazon Fire TV stuff turned on? Um, I didn't play with that. No, so I'm not sure if that was turned on or not. But she was. I forget what she was. There were a couple different features. She's like, oh, I can't do this. 
oh, I can't do that. And I'm like, what? She's like, no, I just, there's things that I could, and she's like playing on the infotainment screen and going back and forth. And I guess mm-hmm. she just felt like there were more features that she wanted to see be able to be used by the person there. Because like, you know, you figure if you're the passenger, like the idea is you could watch the Amazon and watch your movie or watch your video, yeah. which is cool. And the driver can't watch it. But wouldn't it be nice for you to have a screen that was right in front of you instead of having to lean over in a big car like the Grand Cherokee? And like, if you want to do something to reach over to the infotainment screen as the passenger, yeah. you could just tap the screen in front of you. I like the the passenger screens. Because I, I like the idea that's that's polarized where you can't see. So yes, you know, you, absolutely. Because people, people are going to watch. They're going to want to watch whatever. Oh, hundred percent. And if they're right. even if you're not trying to, it's like you know, it's like you're trying to work and there's a TV on and you're like you're sitting in a lounge or something. You get and you, you're going to get distracted. And you <laughs> suddenly you're like, I don't even care what's on there. And I'm what am I watching? Is this an info like a commercial it, yeah, for it, like? New gutters? I don't need new gutters. Why am I being distracted yeah. by this? But or, you are. <laughs> or sitting, you know, sitting in a, a you know a, a restaurant, you know, to grab some dinner, and you know, being distracted by the TVs all, you know, right. all over the place. Yeah, like uh, like sometimes I'll I'll uh, like I'll be eating in a in a taqueria and there's always soccer on. Yeah. Is that because, the thing? Soccer. Yeah, it's always soccer, and so I'm and I don't care about any sport. I don't watch any sports. I don't. I just don't care. Yeah. I tried. I I tried as a kid. I'm sorry. I I wanted to fit in, and it just didn't work. So, so. <laughs> yeah. But if it's on and I'm sitting there eating a taco and I'm talking to someone with my eyes, it's like it's like entertainment drift. You're just like Ooh. Right. Exactly. And I think that's exactly what would happen. If you were driving a car and someone's watching a video that you could actually see the movie, you'd be like, What's happened over there? That looks pretty exciting. Ah, a treat. Like, no, it's never gonna work out well. So, like yeah, it what, has to be something you can't see as a driver. Yeah. So does does it play the audio from the video through the, the vehicle audio system or do you have to use headphones uh to hear the audio from that i think it has to i want to say it's headphones because you can pair your she could pair her headphones to it or something because yeah, i know okay like, like most of the yeah. the rear seat entertainment systems come with you know wireless headphones that you, you know mm-hmm. that are paired to that so you use the kids sitting in the back and you know use the headphones can do that while they're grown-ups up front right. yeah and i'm yeah. just wondering yeah so you can have, so i mean that per, somebody sitting in the passenger seat could entirely watch a movie while you did the okay task of driving and it's not an arduous task because this is a nice car to drive you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's big but even without i think all those luxury packages that are in there the pro tech or the luxury tech um it's it it feels it's neat because i, I it runs that you know if you want to go off road in this if you really want to you know get it filthy dirty go off road where you know lesser cars fear to tread you can do that but then it's just as capable of being this super comfy family highway cruiser um it has a really nice comfy interior i i like the jeep i thought it was nice and this is a two row right not that not the yes this isn't the, this isn't the l this is just yeah. the two row so the l is a whole different animal yeah okay it's a bigger animal it's had more bigger animal Wheaties. has a bigger butt and yep. I, I forget what what kind of fuel economy did you say you got out of this thing um, the fuel, state of fuel economy is 14 city, 22 highway. Most of my driving in this was on really horrific winter roads, stop and go snowy weather. So I feel like my fuel economy, I ended up getting, I was mostly on side roads. I was getting like, like 15 or so 14, like in there depending, but I, I honestly feel like it could have done better if I wasn't giving it the worst possible roads to slog through because that's not you know your wheels slip and you're braking constantly and it's not it is not good for fuel economy to drive on those roads so it's like yeah it was like 14 15 popping back and forth so excellent yeah and you know i was driving this week the uh 2022 ford f-150 or actually no sorry it's a 2021 f-150 4x4 super crew platinum power boost 
Um, how and how so do you put that again? in a headline? A good thing you're talking about it, not writing about it. Yeah. <laughs> so this this is this is the F-150 hybrid. Uh, that you know, has been promised for many, many years, finally launched with this current generation of, of F-150 that came out uh, in late 2020. Um, and I, I had specifically requested this one. Well, what I requested was an F-150 that had Blue Cruise um, so I could do some testing with Blue Cruise. Um, this one has all the Blue Cruise hardware on it. The Monroni says Blue Cruise, so you know they specified it. But this one has not yet gotten the software update to actually turn on Blue Cruise. Um, so I did not get to try Blue Cruise, even though, you know, when I turned on, you know, I was on, when I was on the highway, I turned on the, um, the uh, cruise control. You know, it said active drive assist, you know, enabled, but it never actually enabled the hands-free mode. It, what it did was it showed me uh, the, the icon uh, which shows up in the middle of the, the tack on the, the left-hand side of the gauge with the steering wheel, and it showed hands-on the steering wheel all the time, mm-hmm. uh, but never showed me the hands-off version of that so I could go hands-free. What was interesting, though, what, what I did notice <clears throat> is that even though this doesn't have, you know, I wasn't using the hands-free mode, um, you know, part of what Ford has done, you know, similar to what GM is doing and uh, has, has been doing since they launched Super Cruise and what other manufacturers are doing is they launched their hands-free systems, is they have infrared cameras on the dash. There's one uh, that is right at the base of the A-pillar by the mirror, uh, and then there's another one that's uh, just above the, uh, the center touchscreen display uh, that are looking at you as you drive to make sure that you're watching the road when you're using these systems. And even when you're just using standard uh, adaptive cruise control with lane centering, even when you're not hands-off, it does, in fact, it is still uh, watching you. And if you look away from the road for more than a few seconds, it will give you an alert saying, hey, watch the road, please. Keep your hand, keep your eyes on the road. Um, so that's good. Um, the one, one of the things that, you know, from my previous brief experiences with Blue Cruise that I'm not thrilled with the way Ford has done it. You know, one of the things that Ford didn't do that GM and others are doing is include capacitive sensors in the steering wheel mm. to, uh, to detect when your hands are actually on the wheel. Uh, and they are relying on the same cheaper approach that Tesla uses, which is to um, look for motion in the steering wheel. You know, it's using the torque sensor in the steering wheel and looking for that motion, that little bit of motion that you typically have when you're driving. And the problem with that is, you know, if you actually do try to hold your hands really steady on that and don't have any motion, even if your hands are on the wheel and you're holding the steering wheel, it will still think, oh, there's no motion on the steering wheel. You must not have your hands there. Yeah. Yeah, So I'll have my hands... hands so I, I kept getting alerts to put my hands on the wheel, even when they were on the wheel, which I thought was rather annoying. So I don't like that. I wish Ford would would put the capacitive sensors in there. Um, it's like it's like every few it's like every uh, like five minutes you gotta you have to like do a little wheel trimmer. Because yeah. I'll be driving, I keep my hands, hands a little. I'm, I'm I'm very you know I want to keep my hands on the wheel because I don't want to die. And um, <laughs> I'll be driving and driving and driving. And I'm looking at you know I'm, I'm looking at what's going on and so I, I don't feel like I, I have to keep an eye on the the, the cluster because mm-hmm. you know I'm looking at the world and I look down and it's like hey you need to put your hand, put your hands on the wheel I'm like what do you think I've been doing <laughs> so I did a little That's little what I'm yeah. doing. just little give tremor. a little jiggle every once in a while to yeah say, hey, I'm still here na 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 yeah so that that's <laughs> that's rather annoying um, 
But, uh, you know, it, it turns out, you know, the, the truck was delivered on Wednesday morning here, uh, just a, a few hours before we started getting, you know, it was actually raining at the time, and it was just before we started getting, you know, fairly significant snowfall. Uh, not quite as much as what uh, what you got in your neck of the woods, uh, Nicole. But uh, we, oh had, God, we had so about much uh, snow. we had about eight or nine inches uh, around here, around where I am here, and so it was nice to have a big four wheel drive truck. Um, the downside of that is, as you mentioned, you know these kinds of conditions. You know, in the aftermath of a snowstorm, you get all this snow and slush and ice on the roads. Uh, it does cause a lot more drag, um, and the. Another downside of a big truck like this is, you know, one thing that you should always do after it snows is brush all the snow and ice off your car so that it's not flying off and hitting, you know, running into cars, cars behind you. That's kind of hard to do on a big truck like that. You just, you can't, I mean, unless you're as tall as, as Roberto. No, you know, the F-150 is a big, the F-150 is a big truck. I couldn't, I, I couldn't reach the, I could probably reach about a foot into the, to the, to the top of the F-150. Um, yeah. Every time. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big vehicle. I couldn't reach across it and I would need a step stool or the hop in the uh, bed in order to clean it off. So yeah. you got to be really tall in order yeah. to do that. So, you know, to, there was a fair bit of, you know, accumulated ice and stuff on the front of the truck and, you know, some, some snow and ice on the roof, which, uh, you know, got over, over, over the course of the, the snowstorm, you know, there was a fair bit of ice accumulated there, which, um, you know, causes, obviously causes a lot more aerodynamic drag. And so, you know, during my, my test loop uh, the other day, you know, which is this, basically the same drive loop I do for, for pretty much everything, um, I went out and drove for a couple hours and the the hybrid F-150, four-wheel drive hybrid F-150, is rated at 24 miles per gallon city, highway, and combined. Um, I've only averaged about 15 and a half, uh, which, is, which is not great. Mm. Um, cold. It was cold. It, you know, as I said, you got all the snow and ice. Plus, it turns out, I found out that I also had about 400 pounds of snow and ice in the bed of the truck. <laughs> because one of the cool new features that Ford has on the F one fifty. Oh my gosh, that's is, so cool! <laughs> is the bed scales? They've got they've got load sensors ah. under the bed, and also this one had the smart hitch um, option. So if you're trailering, uh, when you uh, when you hook up your trailer and, and put it on there, you can go on the screen and see exactly how much weight is on the how much tongue weight you've got on that trailer to make sure you're not overloading your truck. Um, or when you're loading stuff into the bed, you can see exactly how much stuff you've got loaded in there. So I went out there this morning and, you know, hit the, the uh, scales, and I had roughly about 400 pounds of snow and ice in the bed of the truck. That's how much that okay. all weighed? I mean, that's now, now I know why when you feel like you shovel your driveway, you think you're going to die when one of those storms. Was it really yeah. almost 500 pounds? Yeah, well, I mean, when, when, wow. the, when the storm started here on, like, very early, you know, Wednesday morning, you know, the temperature was about 37. So it was actually raining at first and gradually yeah. turned uh, from rain to ice to snow. And so, you know, there was a lot of wet, heavy snow there early on. Uh, and you have a uh, nice uh, layer of ice too to keep the snow from like melting out. Yeah, exactly. So, yep. uh, so that that also you know all all these things combined you know got caused it to get wow. underwhelming fuel economy. Because I remember when when I did the 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 media drive, the launch drive when when they first started building the twenty ones you know, back in in late twenty twenty, um, I drove a hybrid you know for a couple of hours and. I think I averaged about probably about 23, 23, 22, 23 at that time. 
Um, and you know, so I, I certainly expected to get less, not quite this much less, but you know, it's, it's not, but terrible. you're, you're hauling a bunch of, you're hauling like two yeah. people's worth of snow. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, we so, actually uh, had that. I just that like the idea you could just weigh things. I'm just throwing things in the know it. Like, How much does this weigh? I don't know. Put it in the truck. Let's find out. Uh, we actually had we had the similar situation with the snow and ice, and it took forever to clear all the snow off the top of the um, Grand Cherokee because it's again it's hard to reach, and it was so icy you can't just reach up there and grab it. I'm like I don't. Right, I need a step stool to like smash, 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 smash to break it all up. We had it was a big story up here because as we're driving down the highway, even though people had a very tiny amount of snow stuck to their cars, it was like a sheet of ice. So as it came loose, it came with these giant sheets that were smacking into other cars. They had these wow. record number of vehicles that were having like smashed windshields and vi- damage. Wow. Smack it in. It was really bad. So I was driving around. I'm like, I was looking at the cars in front of me like, no, that roof looks clean. Oh, no, that roof doesn't look clean. We're going to yeah. ease back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I've had it, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, on, on Thursday afternoon, you know, towards the, the end of the storm period, um, I actually had to go into Ann Arbor, into downtown Ann Arbor, to meet up with uh, a couple of people from a, a company called Under uh, that is making a new kind of imaging radar that's going to be standard on the, the Fisker Ocean. They, they wanted to give me a demo, which was, was a pretty cool demo. Uh, but... On the way home, I um, was stopped at a red light, and I'm, I'm sharing this photo with uh, with you guys right now, so you can oh, see. Oh no, this, he was this not person driving did like not that. even bother brushing off the the back window. And this was this was not the only car I saw like this. I'll, I'll include this in the in the show notes. Oh my the, gosh! Just, is, now, is, do you guys the, have that law? We have a law in New oh, Hampshire yeah. that you have to clear it. You do. Yeah, yeah, we ha- we have a lot. It Jeez. doesn't really get enforced very much, apparently. Oh, but, they uh, enforce it like crazy <clears throat> in New Hampshire. You drive like they weren't yesterday. It was like you know because everyone it's like it was such small skim coat of snow left on the car. I didn't see them pull anyone over, but I they would pull that car over in a heartbeat in New Hampshire. Yeah, I, yeah. I, mean, I think this person you know basically just brushed off enough. Uh, so that when they opened the door, they wouldn't get all the all the snow wouldn't inside. Get it inside, and just you know maybe a, maybe a little patch of the windshield probably. There's like a uh, porthole that they've yeah. created. There's probably for a the circle, yeah, just a circle big <laughs> enough, like hole. so you can see your eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I That's can see that. Good so, enough. So please, if yeah. you know if you're driving after a snowstorm, you know, brush your car off. You know, make sure you, you know, clean, clean off the snow, off. clean off the ice, so that <sighs> both so you can see out, and also so that it's not flying into the cars behind you. Um, because yes, that is and breaking that is cars and causing accidents and such. Yeah. That is that's, not good. That's that's bad behavior. Bad 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 road etiquette. Bad bad, bad road form. Etiquette. Yeah. etiquette. Yeah. All right. So um, they they did send me a, a Monroney for this F one fifty, which had all the details of all the options that are on here, including the the lovely twelve inch Sync four uh, touchscreen display, which has support for both wireless uh, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. Um, it had this, this truck had the optional um, double pane uh, power moonroof, uh, which would have been you know lovely you know if, if it wasn't all if it was ice on top. Lots of other options: the Max trailer tow package. Um, but unfortunately, uh, because this was uh, probably a pre-production vehicle, um, yeah, it looks like from the. Uh, from the VIN that, yeah, it was, a, it was a pre-production model. So it was before they actually started shipping them to dealers. Um, the, uh, it does not include a price on it, uh, but I went on uh, the Ford.com website and 
priced out is uh, pretty much the same package of options. Um, and this one came to sixty or seventy-six thousand and ninety dollars uh, for this truck, and and this, granted, <laughs> this is not the most expensive F one hundred and fifty you can get because this is just the platinum. You can also get the uh, the limited, which has even more stuff in it. Uh, oh, this one did have the uh, the uh, the fold out work table, uh, which was I love that. so so lovely for your uh, your your cookies. Cookie your, table for your cookies. Um, uh, I didn't I didn't I go out that. and get any cookies. It's the burrito table, but sure. Yeah. yeah. A burrito well, table, burrito. Depends, whatever. It depends like, on where you are get, in the United States. I get these pictures at like work table. I'm like, no, it's a snack table. Choose the snack Quite of your choice. Yeah. Burritos, cookies, some fries, yeah. chicken and, nuggets. That's what it is. And, any, and it's anybody amazing. That's, anybody that's going to uh, use that as a work surface is not going to be buying a platinum. They're going to they're going to get an XLT. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This, this well, boss. it might be the, the boss, supervisor. The boss is going to be eating his lunch on there. You know, he's going to yeah. be eating his 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 custom burrito. It's a snack. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> well, uh, there, there was something else here uh, that I wanted to mention as well, which uh, is escaping me now. Um, but yeah, I mean, this one. Ha- oh, it also had the uh, um, the lay flat seats, um, which if you've driven, uh, you know, if if the these this new generation of F150s they have these optional lay flat seats so if you need to take a nap you can recline the front seats almost all the way back so it's basically like flying in a business class seat uh, and it's great for great for taking a nap uh, over your lunch break after eating that burrito that's right on your work that, table nothing <laughs> goes with a burrito better than a nap better than yeah. a nap pretty much all right so that's the 2021 uh, Ford F150 uh, Power Boost Platinum Super Crew 4x4. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're getting your money's worth at least in the name. That's right. The name. Lots that's of, the, lots at of, least cost yeah. a couple extra dollars in that alone, yeah. yeah. Like, well, you're getting lots of money. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All right. So let's let's stick with the uh, the theme of fuel economy for a minute uh, as oh, we let's. get into some news here. Um, this is a crazy story. I feel yeah. like this is one of those I look at this and think, was that real? Was that an onion story? Oh no, this no, is a real story. This, this is real. Uh, the the U.S. Postal Service has been trying to get new mail trucks for I don't know about twenty years now. Um, the the current vehicles that uh, your your letter carrier uh, uses to deliver your mail and your packages uh, was originally designed in the nineteen eighties, uh, and they it was named the Long Life Vehicle (LLV). Um, and it was it was meant for a twenty year life cycle, um, Guess what? You know, and and that was forty years ago. So um, <laughs> the average age of the these the, these trucks that are still in the fleet today is something around thirty three or thirty four years old now. I think. Wow. Um, these things were they were originally based on the first generation Chevy S ten chassis. So they had. You know, basically the suspension and brakes and everything from an S10, um, and the the GM 2.5 liter four cylinder, and these things average about 8.2 miles per gallon uh, in in typical use, um, delivering ma- delivering your mail. 
Um, they also have, uh, in recent years, developed a tendency to catch fire because of uh, things like the power because steering pumps developing <clears throat> leaks and leaking hydraulic small fluid around. Small issues, small yeah. issues. So they've, they've had a few of them that have, that have burned to the ground. Um, but um, uh, for the you know, since 2015, the Postal Service has been trying. They've had a request for proposals, and they went through a quote process and everything. And they, you know, a whole bunch of companies originally entered and ultimately came down to two companies and they finally made a decision in 2021 and they went with a bid from uh, Oshkosh Defense uh, which builds a lot of trucks for the military um, and Oshkosh had partnered with Ford and the, so this mail truck was designed uh, for uh, you know, using a lot of hardware from the Ford Transit van which um, you know, unlike the e-Transit that Robbie drove last week um, is not especially fuel efficient uh, the last time I had a regular transit that I used to help my daughter move, um, it, I got about 12 miles per gallon, you know, and that was just in city driving. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not especially fuel, econ- fuel efficient. Um, and the Oshkosh bid uh, included options for both an internal combustion version of this new mail truck and an electric version. So the, the Postal Service could choose whatever mix of those that they wanted. Um, and one other thing to keep in mind is that part of the, the specs that the Postal Service gave, you know, for these, for these trucks, they wanted them to be larger, um, you know, to have more payload capability because they're delivering a lot more packages and parcels now than they, than they had when the old ones were designed. Um, and they also wanted to add things like air conditioning and, and other safety features that, uh, you know, to make life a little easier for the drivers. Um, so, you know, this thing is a bigger, heavier vehicle. So you would expect that, you know, probably not going to be great on fuel economy with a gas engine. turns out that according to the EPA, this thing only gets about 8.6 miles per gallon. So womp, womp. less than half a mile per gallon better than the 40 year old truck. It's 2022 people. It's 2022. Fuel efficiency has increased on vehicles. You can get more efficient engines, but nah. Why? How? I don't even know how this happens. Like, how? Well, I do. It's it's the government. They're here to help. Maybe that's how it happens. But it's like, this is just like, how does somebody look at all this, make this bid and go, yeah, that's the truck we're going with, the one with the crappy fuel economy. Let's go all in. What is it? Well, the the, the two finalists million. The, 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 the two finalists for, the, uh, for this deal were uh, Oshkosh and Workhorse Group. Okay, so uh, I don't even know why Workhorse was a finalist because they've built like one truck. Well, because I, they were I, the only I, one that was offering only an electric truck, and they wanted to have an EV. One yeah, but I, I could running. have I could have been a final bidder, a final bid on that because that's that, that's how much of a company workhorse is. To be completely honest, yeah, <laughs> it's like I could have said, yeah, I'll make you guys an EV. And we should have done the- that. We should just come up. We should have been the wheel bearings. We could have just done our EV, and we could have made four hundred eighty-two million dollars. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is ultimately like an eleven billion dollar program, you know, because they're replacing a couple of hundred, you know, one hundred and eighty thousand trucks. You know, and then you know, eventually also adding charging equipment into the uh, postal depots and you know post offices mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, it turns out for for some reason, Louis DeJoy is even now still the uh, postmaster general. Why he hasn't been fired yet is a remains a mystery, but um, he he is still the postmaster general. Um, and you know, 
apparently he's the one that made the decision that, yeah, we'll, we're going to go with Oshkosh and, you know, we're, we're probably only going to go with about a 10% mix of EVs out of, out of these. Um, I don't get it. This is, this is just a, ridiculous. It's just a fundamental misunderstanding of what EVs can and can't do. Or you just like, ah, I'm just going to do EV to 10%. I'm going to say 10%, and the reality is it's going to be 2% because I have friends in the, uh, in the, the, the uh, oil and the fossil fuel industry. And I hate is saying it? things like that, but like, it's, when it comes to, 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 to politicians, because everyone likes to say that journalists are on the take. Like, none of us are on the take. I've seen our houses. Yeah. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen how we all live. I worked in journalism in a bunch of different fields. I've been to a bunch of different newsrooms. Unless you're, like, the, you know, on, you know, the morning show or Dan Rather, you know, unless you're, you know, a, 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 this, yeah, this unless very you're famous. Woodward Bernstein. Yeah. You know, you're not. You did, yeah. Yeah. Book you, deals. yeah. There's the, we're all posting pictures of, like, the one time we went out to a nice steak dinner at, like, a mid-level place. And we're like, look at I'm living large. <laughs> we're, not, we're not. I have a steak. I'm tomorrow like, it's back to ramen. <laughs> I, know, so tomorrow, I had a steak today. I, tomorrow, yeah, the rest of the week it's ramen. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we're not, yeah. So it's, but it's, oh, it, oh, it's just, you, you save so much money. The e-transit's right there. And I guess someone was throwing around a $65,000 price tag for each one of these. I was like, but the e-transit starts at forty-five thousand. How is this uh, government contracts? That's it's, it's the government contract bidding con like. System. Unless I missed in the story, there's been no response. Has there been a response from the postal service saying uh, why? Not, not yet. They, but they, the letter from the EPA, I just love how it's written. A stern letter from the EPA is what the subhead is, and it's like <laughs> literally all these like bullet points. You did this wrong. I feel like. There's like like what has to be at least a dozen bullet points of things that they think that the uh, postal service did wrong, and it feels to me that the like essence of like when you're a kid and you get that like thing you did really well on you think at school and you get it back and you see it and there's just red pen everywhere. I feel like <laughs> the EPA is like break out the red pen, no 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 no, and like went and circled everything wrong, and it's like the entire thing is a mess of red pen. They did nothing right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, some of the points here. The Postal Service's own analysis showed that nearly 95% of mail carrier routes could be electrified, but um, only allocated 10% of electrified vehicles. I mean, think of, if you think about it, you know, unless you live, you know, in a very rural area, Alaska. Yeah, you know, most mail routes are well under 100 100 miles a day. Yeah. And you know, especially if you live in an urban or suburban area, which is where the vast majority of the population is, and that's where most of the mail trucks operate. You know, the, you're talking, you know, slow speed operations. You know, and mail trucks don't go racing around my neighborhood. Um, you know, <laughs> it's always and two houses stop, two yeah, houses fit, stop. You know, stop. you're stopping yeah. every 50, 75 feet and then going again, you know, to, to put the mail in. This is the, you could not find a better application for an electric vehicle. I feel nothing, like if you had a 100-mile EPA range mail truck, it would probably get uh, 200 miles just yeah. from all the stopping. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. EPA you're gonna get like, a lot of regen out of these things. Yeah, it's like uh, – uh, 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 uh. and if you just set it up where it just turns off – you don't have to turn it off every time because the, 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 the mail carrier is like turning it off, get out, get, get – boom, 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 boom. You just get in, get out, get in, get out. 
it's, ah, Get it's, out. it's it's such a great opportunity to say, you know, this is the perfect application, and it is the most perfect application this, this, for this. This is really why, is. This is why. This is exactly why you'd want this. Yes. This, this is why Amazon has has ordered a hundred thousand electric vans from Rivian, you know, and and some well, more. They, from, they from say, they even cite out further down here, like the letter also cites concerns over competitors like Walmart, FedEx, UPS committing to fully electric fleets by twenty forty and twenty fifty. With significant near-term fully EV fleet purchases already made, yeah. other guys are like, "We're in." It's like, "Hello, postal service, neck, 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 neck." We don't want efficient vehicles. Thanks, bye. <laughs> I just feel like Oshkosh and the postal service are just going to like ignore this until it, it falls out of the news cycle, and then we're just going to get, you know. Yeah, well, because nothing's going to change the way these things move and how slowly they move when stuff is approved is done. Like, this is what we're getting for the next, how old do you say the average one is right now? 33 40, years? 40 yes. years. So in another 43 years, they might actually commit to whatever we're using today <laughs> in 43 years. <laughs> <laughs> in 43 years, we'll have these, like, really nice, like, super solid-state batteries that get, like, 700 miles, and they take two seconds to charge. And they'll be like, yeah, we're going to use lithium-ion. It's going to take... Uh, 14 uh-huh. hours of charge and it's only a tw- it's 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 a 200 kilowatt hour battery like and wait, it what? costs twice well, as much and, yeah. Yeah. and these these postal trucks sit overnight every day anyway at the post office it's not right. like these things run 24 hours a day so <laughs> don't you don't even have trip. to fast charge them you can trickle nope. charge them yeah yeah no they'll last this uh, and it's you're gonna save money on brakes you're gonna save money on maintenance because you know you're not gonna have well, they would have if they bought the wheel bearings EV, but instead they bought this thing, so yep. they're not saving if they anything. Had, if they had, we we got to get our bid our bid system. We got to get our going. bid. Let's come up with a number, boys. Yep, the wheel bearings EV, <laughs> the the WBEV, the wheel bearings, WBEV, WBEV. Uh, we'll think of a better name. We'll come All up right. with something. Patent better. pending. Patent pending. There you go. I don't want anyone stealing our ideas. <laughs> Your WBEV. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, next up. Um, We've we've talked uh, on several occasions previously about uh, dealers and and the ridiculous markups that they are uh, doing, especially on some of the more popular vehicles right now. You know, we've seen dealers, you know, demanding customers, you know, pay ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars more for uh, for a Ford Mustang Mach E or an F one hundred and fifty Lightning. Um, and this week, uh, Ford had their um, fourth quarter earnings call and uh, i guess during the analyst call uh jim farley the ceo of ford um actually <laughs> called out dealers you know he was he was asked about this i think and um uh he he responded you know uh, about this this problem he said that roughly about uh from their uh analysis about 10 percent of their dealer network has been charging above msrp and he's not happy about it um Barclays analyst Brian Johnston estimated the the value of the markups is about uh, at about three point six billion dollars um, just in the fourth quarter. So you know that's that's a lot of money, a lot of extra money. And, that's a uh, lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, you know, Farley responded you know, said uh, we we have good knowledge of who they are. I mean, you know, Ford Ford knows what the transaction prices are. That that all gets re- reported back to Ford. So they know how much dealers are charging. They know which dealers are charging these markups. It says, we have very good knowledge of who they mm-hmm. are, and their future allocation of product will be directly impacted. So, you know, Farley's, you know, I mean, Farley's a marketer. 
I mean, he's a car guy, but you know, he came up. His his specialty was in marketing. He was head of marketing uh, uh, for Scion. You know, when he worked at Toyota, uh, he came to Ford as you know their their head of marketing. Um, you know, he knows how to sell vehicles. You know how how to do customer experience, and he knows that this is bad bad news. You know, this is it's something that's good. really going to piss off customers, mm-hmm. and so he apparently is taking a stand on this and says uh, the dealership has a middle name Farley's using it right now like a father calling out a kid who is about to get into trouble <laughs> uh, which this, this is from the uh, the article from Kristen Shaw on the drive yeah that uh, was great wording was I love that yeah. Kristen you could just see him shaking his finger and, and doing using, that you know? using that middle name to yell that's when you knew that's why we all know the middle names of all of our kid friends from high school like grade school do you know the middle names of your friends I know all their names because mom <laughs> Yelled at them, so I know their middle names from being yelled at them when they did things wrong when we were all little. Uh, so uh, yeah, so Ford, you know, Ford, Ford has previously said that uh, or threatened to pull uh, Lightning allocations from dealers, you because know, Ford, uh, you know, Ford ultimately decides which <clears throat> which dealers you know are going to get which vehicles, and you know, for dealers that they know are charging these excessive markups, they have mechanisms to to do this. You know, they can just say we're just you know, instead of a hundred lightnings, you're going to get ten or none. And you know, those customers that ordered from those dealers, you know, they're going to have to go some go to another dealer. And I think you know, for especially for the the early buyers, you know, that have placed reservations, this is one of the the interesting things about this whole reservation process that you know manufacturers never had in the past. You know, in the, in the past, you know, customers just dealt directly with dealers. You know, the, the manufacturers didn't have any idea who the customers were until after a vehicle was sold, and you know, then the, the you know they got the warranty paperwork. Up up to that point, they didn't know. Now they know who these people are that are doing the you know that place their reservations because you went online, and you gave Ford all your information, right. and yeah, you know, so um, you know they are going to help out, you know, help these customers. You know, if if the dealers that they were working with have their allocations pulled. Ford will be working with those customers to redirect them to another dealer that will sell the sell the vehicle to them at sticker, or or less. You know, probably not less, but certainly you know for at, at sticker price. At the um, sticker instead of an extra five or ten grand on there. Yeah. yeah. My friend bought. She 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 had a, a Bronco coming in, and the dealer like out of the blue was like, "Oh, by the way, it's now ten thousand dollars more." What did she do? Did she still take it, or did she say thank she, you? Thank she you worked. They they ended up. Talking it down to I think three thousand dollars, which is still three thousand wow, dollars too still much. Not right. Yeah, yeah that's still. It's not just right. like it's, it's you know a lot of people are like I guess I'll just take it. And I went and talked to someone at a, deal, a Ford dealership near my house um, a few weeks ago, and I was talking about the Bronco. They're like, yeah, we we have a twenty thousand dollar markup on those right now. Are you kidding? And they're probably selling everyone they can get at twenty thousand dollars above. They had sticker. one. They had one that they could sell in stock, and they had two demos that they would be able to sell starting in February at that time. So yeah, so no, yeah, they're just they're just yeah, we'll do what they, you know. And then my friend, uh, there was the uh, what was it, the BRZ that had the you know it's a thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollar car with the fifteen thousand dollar markup that I tweeted about. Yeah. And then I went I went to a Toyota yeah. dealership and there was a GR eighty six, same car with a fourteen thousand dollar markup. So it's yeah, it's it's. It's out of – like you walk in and you look at it and look at it and I'm like no, – and they start walking towards me. I'm like, nope, and I just turn around and walk out. Yeah. Not interested. Bye-bye. Like, no. It's like this is why people don't like dealing with dealerships. And the, the problem is a lot of people 
they associate the dealership with the brand. So even though it's oh, not. Oh, yeah, because you've got that big sign out there that says the Ford Toyota. Or Chevrolet or Toyota. Right. Yeah. So like the, uh, none, of the, none of those brands are happy when their dealers do it. But, yeah, still, you're in your head. The average consumer is like, that's darn that Toyota, darn that Ford. It's like, no, actually, darn that dealership. It's not yeah. the Yeah, most people the don't company, realize that these know? are independent businesses that yeah, are not owned by the manufacturer. Yeah. It's Jim Smith Ford or, you know. Darn that Jim Smith Ford. Yeah. There's probably a Jim Smith Ford out there right now. It's like, Sorry, Jim Smith. We don't really darn you. We don't don't know yet. Unless you are doing this, then darn you. But if you're not. Yeah, then. Then accurately, we've shamed you. (laughs) Good on you, Jim Smith Ford, if you're not doing this. And and for what it's worth, Ford Ford is not the only one trying to crack down on their dealers doing this. Uh, GM has also said the same thing. During their earnings call, they, they revealed that. They got. Uh, they've already gotten 110,000 reservations for the Silverado EV. Wow! Um, so, you know, there, there's clearly a lot of interest in these electric pickup trucks. Um, and actually, this, this is something that I was uh, got a call the other day from a reporter for the Detroit News um, because you know recently GM uh, made the announcement that they are <clears throat> going to put uh, four billion dollars into their Orion, Michigan assembly plant, where they build the Bolt today to convert that over to building uh the silverado and sierra evs um and during the during gm's earnings call mary barra said yeah we're we're probably going to do a third electric truck plant uh as well Uh, but you know in the next in the next year or so so uh that you know they are you know they're committed to building a lot of electric trucks uh there's there's they clearly think that there's that's where their business is going very quickly in the next three or four years. So, all right. Uh, last news item uh, we've got is uh, Rolls Royce, um, also with EVs. Uh, Rolls Royce recently finally announced that they're going to build an EV, uh, which seem, it seems odd to me that they waited this long because you know Rolls Royce. If you think about the kind of cars they make and their customers and how those vehicles are used always seemed like it would have been a perfect app, another perfect application for electrification. You know, they built a, a prototype Phantom EV back in like 2010 or 2011, and they took it around and demoed it for, for customers. And for whatever reason, they opted not to, to put that in production at the time. But they have an electric um, car coming out, uh, I think, next year or 2024 called the Spectre. Um, and... <clears throat> The uh, uh, for the Spectre, uh, it, it they they're saying this article says that uh, uh, it's already got the the lowest drag coefficient of any Rolls Royce to date at zero point two six, which is is pretty slick. Uh, but one of you know one of the things that they've done is they've redesigned the Spirit of Ecstasy. That's the uh, the classic Rolls Royce hood ornament, the the flying lady um, that you find on the front end of of every Rolls Royce. Um, they've redesigned it to make it more aerodynamic, so you get less drag from that hood ornament. Have you taken a look at this thing? Okay, I'm literally trying to it tell the difference really, at a glance. I, I mean, it's it's still like a very pretty thing that people want to steal off your Rolls Royce. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's why they have the little thing where you can like bloop hide you it. You got it, and it, 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 it disappears. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it disappears when you. I have a little video of it popping up and disappearing. I do too. I think do we all? Everybody, I think we, we everyone. Do. We've you all have to. That's the, the first time you have your hands in a Rolls Royce. You're like, hold please. Hold I got to take a video of this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's still recognizable as as the classic oh, yeah. Rolls Royce hood ornament, 
but you know it's a little bit smoother you know they've smoothed out some of the contours and i think probably uh they've also made it shorter it's about 0.68 inches shorter than before uh so it doesn't stick up quite as much um it, but uh uh, oh, it says here uh, has now has a dynamic stance with one leg forward and knees bent. Yeah, uh, it's like one leg behind the other instead of <laughs> legs together, which makes more sense if, like, as a as a human doing that, making that pose, that seems a lot more, I don't know, realistic. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't care about the aerodynamics. You're, you're, stand, you're just appreciating you're the realism. The, yeah, you're, you're standing d- out on the front edge of the hood of the car. Mm-hmm. You know, you uh, want to brace yourself. You know, you, yeah, you want to have your legs kind of staggered like that a little. You don't yeah, what a, s- Flying over the top of the hood. Yeah, what if someone's, what if they become to a, a sharp stop? You're, whoa, you have two <laughs> legs together. No, that's just bad. That's just yeah. a bad. <laughs> you're just going to fall over. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, let's answer some listener questions. Um, first up, ZBM327 on Twitter mm-hmm. asks, um, or, or ZBM, because I'm not sure where, where uh, this person's from. Um, will GM ever replace their vans? Eventually, <laughs> maybe. Well, I mean, hopefully, before technically, the post they, they office kind of, replaces theirs, but a bump. They, they kind of have started with with Bright Drop, you know, because I mean, a big market uh, for yeah. vans is commercial vans, and so, you know, they they created Bright Drop as a new division, a new business unit for the commercial vans, and they're they're all electric. So they're you know, those are going to eat up some of GM's traditional van business. I, I would assume that at some point we'll see them do, you know, consumer electric vans do something new i mean the the gm that was the savannah the gmc savannah and the chevy astro no the astro was the old mid-size van i know but they should bring it back is what i'm saying because they had that sweet sweet um ad where it was driving around like jupiter and they have that chevy chevy astro astro i saw the other day (laughs) i saw somebody did a rendering uh they took a kia carnival and adapted the the front end of the silverado ev to the carnival to create a new astro uh oh, it actually see? looked pretty slick there you go see yeah let's bring the chevy astro back i mean it's a perfect name for go. an ev that's too. what we need to do yeah well, we've solved look at that we're solving problems we're, we're so, starting our own ev company so we've got, which, just, which, we just need you, we need to come up with a better name than webev if, <laughs> yeah. and we're you, good to if go you want, if you want to make a few bucks uh go out and register the trademark for astro van uh you know and then sell it back to gm there you, there you go. go. All right. Um, <laughs> Mike Enos asks, uh, he's got two questions here. Uh, as cars become more like rolling computers, how long can we really expect the software updates to continue? Forever. Um, Just like they do on a regular computer. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, realistically, it's going to be for, for as long as you want to keep paying for them. Mm. I think yeah. I think at some point it becomes like your old iPhones where you're just getting security updates. Like, you yeah. know, you have, you have a 10-year-old... I don't know, let's say a 10-year-old Ionic 5. Um, at some point, it's not going to just keep evolving after 10 years, 15 right. years. But there might, oh, there's a security update, so they just push it push it out. No, there's a security update, they push it out. And it's, it, yeah, at some point, they'll keep going as long as there's anything that's going to get them in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think uh, security updates and anything for regulatory compliance, those will be for as long as those vehicles are on the road, um, you know, probably at least 10 to 15 years um things like feature updates that's probably going to be more like you know what you see you know with an iphone you know maybe four or five years maybe a little bit longer uh but you know beyond beyond the first couple of years 
you will probably have to pay for those updates if you want those updates. You're not going to get free updates in perpetuity, uh, at mm-hmm. least not on more affordable vehicles. Maybe on high-end vehicles you might, but, but not on the, the more mainstream models. Uh, and then the other question that Mike had <coughs> was uh, simple. What's the best non-Tesla EV for most people that you can buy today in the U.S.? I don't know if that's a simple question, but <laughs> Ionic 5, I'm just going to say it. I love, love, love the Ionic 5. Um, I'm sure you guys will probably say something else. Maybe the EV, the EV6. <laughs> well, I mean, the other one I was going to suggest is the Kona EV. You know, depending on what size you need. Because the Kona's cheaper. It's it is got cheaper. lots of range. It does um, have The best yeah. non-Tesla EV for most I liked, people. I like that I didn't pick the car that I, I own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not the one I bought. Not the one I bought, but the one that I want. Well, granted, when you bought the Kona, the Ionic 5 was not on sale yet. I really wanted to wait too. Yeah. So and then I and but then I went into it like, oh, it's probably not going to be nearly as good as I, as what I have in my head. And then it was. So that's always a nice feeling when you when you you really want a car to be good and then it is good and you're like, oh, good. Whew. Well, uh, on Twitter, uh, Brianna Wu res- actually responded to this when she said the Nissan Leaf uh, put some performance tires on it. You have a hot little hatchback. Do <laughs> you though? Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't okay, call it I hot. Even with good I, tires, I wouldn't call it hot. No, the, the, the Nissan Leaf is a good car. It's been around yeah. forever. Kudos to, for Nissan for coming out very early, ahead of everyone else, and, and yeah. getting into the EV game. But the Nissan Leaf is also the most boring EV on the planet. Yeah. It's kind of boring. It's like, uh, Although, it's, you know, it starts at, at thirty grand, and you can still get the $7,500 tax credit on there, another... Twenty five hundred, if you in some states like California, I think. So I mean, you can you can get a leaf, you know, theoretically for about ten grand. But it's not um, one fifty that rate. That's the that's like the one hundred fifty. That's the one hundred fifty mile version. So if you're gonna do that, just get the 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 mini SE and just lose like ten fifteen miles. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's, well, you have that's more awesome. room. I guess that's yeah. most people. I guess yeah. Depends 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 what your what your needs are, what your wants are, uh, but you know. Probably the Leaf, the Kona, the the Ionic Five, you know, are probably the EV6. Your best I think that's and, or in the there. EV6, yeah. The EV6 yeah. throw that in there too. Yep. I mean, it's, it's it's for me, it's a toss up between the EV6 and the Ionic Five. I, I it, yeah. it goes to what we were talking about earlier. Drive it and see which one is more comfortable to you. Yeah, make sure the seats like. fit you. Yeah, make yeah. sure because they're they're a little different, you know. But so I would go with one of those. Yeah, I think yeah, I think the the Kona is really actually a really good choice because it's 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 like seven grand, six grand cheaper than either of the other Hyundai Motor Group vehicles. Two hundred fifty eight miles. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I drive, we drive that thing all over the place. It's fine. Yeah, the the, the only I think the only most people for most people if yeah. you want something a little bit more dynamic, the the other two are much better. Yeah, the, the, I yeah. think the only restriction there, you know, with the Kona would be if you do need to carry uh, people in the in this back seat more frequently. Uh, yeah. and you want extra backseat room, then oh, you yeah, want to go with the larger one. Yeah, that's why I like the extra size, because I think, I think the Kona is like a smaller, which is it's great, but like yeah. m- most, a lot of people need a little bit more space in the the Ionic 5. Yeah, and the EV6 give that extra little bit of space. Kona, if you don't need the space, go for the Kona for sure. Yeah. yeah. I sit, I, I with me, with the front seat, uh, for me to drive in the EV6, I sat in the back seat and still had like inches of knee room. I was like, whoa. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a lot bigger than you think. But it, yeah. but you, yeah. when you drive it, it feels smaller. I don't know. Those, those cars are just, yeah, I don't, the Hyundai's really killing it. That's when it comes down to it. Yeah, they are. All right. All right. Uh, another one from Brianna. Uh, do you think the 911 or the Boxster will get an electric version first? 
I saw this tweet yesterday, and I've been thinking about it all night. And so I still don't have an answer. And so on one hand, you think, well, maybe they want to do the 911 because they want to have this crazy, insane EV. Like, just be like, just out of the gate, just like, look what we did. We're Porsche. We're going to do crazy. You know, we have all this engineering. On the other hand, the Boxster would be a great sort of entry into that. So you have this like, okay, we have the Boxster. It's an EV. The 911's coming, but we're still going to make sure that we, we're, we're still taking care of our like super hardcore 911 people. So my answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm torn. I kind of am leaning towards the Boxster, but on the other hand, like just to come out with an EV 911 just seems like just yeah, like. I, I have no air. idea. This is one of those Explosions. I'm like, literally, it's a toss-up to me. There's good reasons for both. I want to know what Brianna thinks. Brianna, tweet us and see which one do you think is going to get an electric version first. I Personally, I think it's going to be the Boxster um, because, you know, 911, you know, a little more traditional. You know, I think they're going to do a hybrid version of 911. But, you know, the Boxster, because it's a mid-engine layout, you know, I think that they can, um, they can stuff some battery uh, in where the engine is today. Um, you know, it's a two-seater mid-engine. Um, you know, with the 911, your packaging becomes a little more of a challenge mm-hmm. um, for for that one. So I th- I think it's going to be the Boxster. All right, so that, I'm going to go with the Boxster because Sam is smarter about engineering than I am. <laughs> also, I love the Boxster. I love the Boxster yeah. so much. I I, uh, I just I, I just love it. And if it, well, if I were if I were not a, a journalist, if I were say a politician, and I was on the take, I would. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not that we're accusing Brianna of any of that, because she's no longer a politician. Oh no, not you know Brianna. No, I was accusing just politicians in general, because um, <laughs> you know all the journalists are on the take, and we really not because none of us have a nine eleven. <laughs> yeah. We don't or, drive or, or those those that do usually have an old 911 that they they've owned for 20 odd years you know since long before the prices went ridiculous went crazy or, yeah, or yeah. we also like we keep track like right now the prices are insane but we really as a as a whole like if you get in a shuttle van with a bunch of journalists a car journalist like half of the discussion is how you were able to buy a vehicle at its valley when of its value like okay, well, I was watching it, and then the, then the you know it's going to dip at this point, and then they bought it at like the, the least like the, the, the spend the least amount of the money, the cheapest they could possibly can like exactly. it will never get lower than this now. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah. Automotive journalists don't make that much money. So <laughs> that's the, the end of the day. We, we most automotive journalists cannot afford to to shop on Bring a Trailer. Oh no! Yeah, that's why we're always like making fun of Bring a Trailer. I mean, yeah. kudos to Bring a Trailer for for creating that site and creating the hype. And, and the the people who are selling these vehicles that they've been keeping in a garage somewhere um, without touching it, like, good for you, um, selling them. See, for, I say not good for you. I, unless you're buying a vehicle that was like this super fancy one of one, never to be driven vehicle, drive your car. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna buy it. Drive it. Oh, but it's a limited. Who cares? Drive it. Somebody built it for you to drive, not to just look at it and go pretty party. I take back my just. Yeah, you should drive your car. Yeah, thank you, Robbie. Yeah, that's live life. Live life. (laughs) Live life. All right. Gupta AJ asks, does the new Tundra have anything comparable to Super Cruise or Blue Cruise? My primary use would be on a straight 35-mile stretch of I-75 at night, and the dream is to drive across the country enjoying the wide-open western part a couple of times in the next five years. No. No, it doesn't, does it? <laughs> no, no. I, don't think, I don't believe I don't so. Think there's any... I think the, the first 
Toyota vehicle coming to the U.S. market that has a hands-free system is the uh, the Lexus LS uh, is getting the the Teammate system, which is their their version of this hands-free uh, driver assist. And uh, I like that, that name though. Teammate. Yeah. It's like a helper, like your team. Yeah. You're a team. Well, you're both exactly. Yeah. And yeah. actually, this, this reminds me of something else that came up the other day. Um, Farhad Manju, who's a tech columnist for the New York oh. Times, wrote a terrible column about um, his his experience driving the Cadillac Escalade, uh, which he quite fell in love with, uh, oh, to, much to his surprise. And he actually made some good points in there uh, about, you know, the, a lot of these modern cars are so good, you know, it's no wonder, you know, people want to drive them more, you know, and which is exactly the opposite of, you know, kind of what you really want to do if you want to, you know, improve the environment is you got to get people to drive less. Um, but, you know, then he goes on to talk about using Super Cruise and he repeatedly calls this an autonomous and a self-driving system, which it is absolutely not. Not. It, oh. you know, it is, none of these systems, there is not even so-called full self-driving is a driver assist system. Any system where you still have to pay attention and watch the no. road is yeah. an assist system. Please remember that. Yeah. All right. I wish Rent. Farhat, I'm friends with Farhat. He should have like reached out to me. And I think that comes down to the, he, he's a, te- he's a columnist, so he's not a car person. So he's writing about things that are happening in his yeah, life. I mean, he writes about technology, but I feel like like the, at the editing process at the New York times, I feel like it must be incredibly siloed. Because they do have people who 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 edit. Who would know that? Who would know yeah. that? But if you if you have a newsroom that's incredibly siloed like that, you allow these sort of weird errors to appear on your in your in your newspaper on your site, which is insane. Um, because it it's it just well, it hurts I mean, they've you. Got, they've got so Neil bad. And it, and as, it a, hurts as an automotive writer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he could have told them that that was not true. Exactly. Yeah. And it hurts. It hurts Farhad. It hurts the the editors. It hurts the brand. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, and you know I've had I've, I've worked at places where you know, uh, I mean tech sites where people are like, oh, this is autonomous. I'm like, no, 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 do not write that. Do not do this. And you, you, you know, they they reach out, they ask me questions, and I say, okay, that's well, that's not, that's yeah, not right. That's stop. incorrect. Or or you're just you you you're you're framing it incorrectly. Um, you, you know, you you have the information, but you you're you know someone has told you via PR that this is what it is, and the reality is it is not that. And so, it, yeah, it's, it was, I'm just like, oh, Farhad. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Farhad. All right. Next up, uh, Gifted Napper asks, um, if you could add any one single driving law across the country, what rule would you make mandatory? Or what, cur- what one current driving law would you change or eliminate if you could? I would, I would make uh, cops have to pull you over for tailgating. Because I see people tailgating all the time, mm-hmm. and then a police officer goes by, and no one does anything. And it's the most insane, dangerous thing ever. Like tailgating on the highway, tailgating on back roads, tailgating. Just tailgating is overall. I mean, we're unless you're in a parking lot at a stadium before yes. a football game. <laughs> yeah, and you're just trying to leave. Desperately, yeah. <laughs> what one law would I make mandatory? Uh, I would like to see, you know what, because it causes so many almost near misses when I see on the road. I would like to see them consistently pull over people who just 
ride in the left-hand lane. I don't care if you're doing the speed limit or not. The if the speed limit is 55 and you're just sitting, like the left lane is for passing. I would like to see that enforced because what happens is you have people and it's not right, but then you have people who are just losing their mind behind that slow driver. And the minute they can go to the right and pass them and the number of times that people do that and they do it so aggressively because they're frustrated and angry and they're cutting too close. And then if that slow driver's like, oh, wait, now I'm going to get over just as slowly as I've been driving in left-hand lane. Now the guy who's angry and passing him on the right is about to smack into him. Like it, it actually is really super dangerous. It causes all this road rage. Just move over. Like I would like to see that. Not because I want to drive 95 miles an hour. I just don't want to see people doing that and causing this sort of road rage situation that can get us all in trouble. This is why I love driving in Germany. Because everyone... I know. I was literally thought of that. It never happens in Germany. You're right. Because It's illegal to pass on the right. And everyone just sort of follows the rule, which, you know, didn't work out so great like almost like 80 years ago. But now... <laughs> You know, yeah. it's like everyone, you, you pass and you get back over to the right and you pass That's and you beautiful. get back over to the right. And you I, and never get stuck in, you just drive. You just drive. And everyone who's happy. I want everyone, a law to make that happen here. I want a law for that to be like, it's enforced. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. In the United States, everyone's just hanging out in the left-hand lane the entire time because everyone's very important. Always. We're all very important people. In Germany, everyone's over to the right, like working with the yeah. flow of traffic. It's amazing. And I think people assume that in it, and on the the autobahn, everyone is just like flying down in the left hand no. lane. There's no, no one in the left hand lane. There's absolutely yeah. no one unless you're very, like very rare. Yeah, usually yeah. it's automotive journalists from from uh, the United States who are just happy or they can drive fast. When you're passing, like you get up on a car in the right hand lane, you pull over to the left, you pass them, you pull over to the right. It's a nice, perfect little box. You never yeah. just hang out in the left hand lane. Yeah, no one hangs or, out in or, the left hand lane. Or or some rich. Uh, guy with his Bugatti Chiron driving 259 miles an hour. Yes, and then you get out of his way, which is easy to do because you don't drive in the left-hand lane unless you need to. So. That's, oh, that's, that's too much. But yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, for, for me, it would be uh, not so much uh, a, a new law but because um, seatbelts are already mandatory in all 50 states, but mo- uh, more enforcement of seatbelt laws. Because mm. if you look at you know, the traffic fatality stats, a th- one-third of all of the um, fatalities of vehicle occupants involve people who are not belted. Still? Yeah. Yes. What is happening? <laughs> I read, I can't remember, and I wish I could remember because it was a couple of years ago. I was at some conference, and there were automotive safety experts from a couple of uh, different like nonprofit groups who study what safety features are the most important ones and which ones currently are saving the most lives. And they were talking about the cost and this is probably three or four years ago. And, you know, if you want these advanced safety features, you're often having to pay extra to get them, or you have to jump up to a higher trim. So you're paying extra for that trim. So it makes some of them cost prohibitive. And there were two or three of these guys on the stage and they all said the same thing. You know what? Those are all great and they'll help you. But the single best thing you can still do to keep yourself from getting killed in an accident is put your seatbelt on that. It's that already alone. there in every car. It's, right. It's there. Yep. Yeah. It's free. And, and, it's you free. Know, granted, you know, most <laughs> people do, do wear seatbelts now. Yeah. But you know, of the, the 38, 39,000 people a year that die, you know, uh, in traffic fatalities, you know, uh, roughly about 30,000 of those are vehicle occupants. The rest are pedestrians and cyclists. Um, you know, and one third of those are unbelted. Yeah. You know, so, so like 10,000 people that could be alive if they yes. just put their stupid seatbelt on. Like, come yeah. on, guys. It's, it's so weird. Have you, have you ever drive without your seatbelt? Like, I can't. No. It freaks me it's, out. Like, like, I, I, I move in a parking lot and I'm just like, mm-hmm. 
I'm like, right, okay, like I'm gonna... if I if I'm gonna buckle my seatbelt and somehow I have to like move the car another five feet or something, I'm like, hold on, click, okay, zoop. Now I can't, like I can't yeah. do it. It literally feels like I'm not ready to go, yeah, which the, is a the good only, thing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, even you know, just moving cars around in my driveway when I'm doing a vehicle swap, you know, I. I I always have the urge to put on my seatbelt. Yes, you know, I mean, you just, I've been I do the same thing. I've been doing it for forty years now. You know. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's just it's a muscle memory. I get in and put on the seatbelt. My mom was a nurse, and she was always a stickler, even when I was a little kid, about wearing seatbelts back when nobody wore them and there were no seatbelt laws. And all you have to do is like spend a little time talking to a nurse or a doctor who worked in the ER, and they can tell you all the wonderful things that happen when you don't wear your seatbelt that you could be safe from if you just click that seatbelt. Have your mother tell you stories like that when you're seven? You will wear a seatbelt for the rest of your life. <laughs> I was like, good job, Mom. <laughs> all right. I uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. From from WWP twenty one eighty one. What's a what's a feature you all wish was either standardized or included in all vehicles? Uh, to go extreme, what would your versions of the Homer be? As a reminder, the Homer has two <laughs> bubble domes, one in the front, while one in the back is for quarreling kids and comes with optional restraints and muzzles. Uh, the engine sound causes people to think the world's coming to an end. There are three horns because you never you can never find a horn when you're mad. And they play the song La Cucaracha. Uh, has giant cup holders, uh, shag carpeting, tail fins, and a <laughs> metal bowler hood ornament. Uh, Sam, as a fellow engineer, I know it's hard to design without constraints, but you can you can do it. Go nuts. I apologize for the sloppy tweeting. And uh, they play the song Cucaracha has giant... Oh, no, okay, sorry. Uh, it's just, yeah. Uh, yeah, just a copy-paste error there. So what what would you want as, as standard on, uh, on your cars? 360-degree um, camera for parking because i just watch people park like parallel i I lived in san like before i lived in san francisco i probably was a horrible parallel parker but i'm not really sure because i never had to parallel park before that um and then i i went once i left san francisco and i moved to la um i lived on a you know a residential street in la for a few years and i would watch people try to parallel park and it'd be like a 20 minute extravaganza of someone just doing all the wrong things and you know they didn't have this is pre you know rear rear uh rear rear camera so i think the 360 camera on all cars would be like super nice just so you can see you're not going to bump into people like children especially you know big trucks you know a little kid runs out a kitten a dog you can you know also so you can see where you are you know in the, in the <clears throat> between the lines you know in a parking yeah. lot yeah, in a parking secure. lot sometimes you because, know because you know I, I sort of agree with you because I am the person this is a twenty minute ordeal I hate parallel parking because I again I never have to do it yeah, so we, I just never got good at it I think I parallel park like three times a year so I've never gotten comfortable doing it but you know what I wish every car had ever so I want heated everything I don't want just heated seats and heated steering wheel you can get the like armrests that oh. are heated so when you put yeah the I want all thing. yeah I want everything heated it is currently a high we're at 27 degrees that's the highest we've been in like everything a week and heated. a half right I want all the heated things to be standard Headrest. and I don't want it just standard for me the driver because then my passenger or my people in the back I want it to be standard like if I want to heat this car up to feel like it's the surface of the sun, I want that to be possible. That's what I want. That's all I want. That's it's that. actually more efficient if it's in the seat than it is the blowing. 
That's yes. That's why yeah, every right? every yeah. EV just, should have standards heated right. seats. So just warm me up, and I'll be toasty, and and the world will be happier, and my fingers won't be frozen as I'm trying to turn. The, or like even the gear shift, like when you drive a manual, you have to grab the gear oh, shift, yeah, and it's like an nice. ice cube. Wouldn't it be nice if the gear shift was like toasty warm when you grabbed that? And nice. also, um, you know, a, a heating pad like under where your feet go. By the oh. Pedal. Yes. Toasty up your feet? Yeah. See? I've been trying to think about that. Like, how do I keep... Because my, I get, I, my, my hands and my feet get cold. And they've all... It's yeah. always... I don't know why. Maybe because there's so much room. Yeah, you're, you're so, so, long, so tall, far away long, from the rest of your body. It's so far from my heart. Like, yeah. <laughs> my arms... When I, when I, I had Blood a, cools. Yeah, I just couldn't... I just can't make it. It just gives up and just turns around <laughs> around my wrist. When I had a, a suit tailored and the lady was like... Oh, uh, she's like, you have really long arms. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Thanks. She thought, she, at first she thought it was an error. She's like, wait, hold on. And she just kept having to make things longer and longer. But yeah, uh, the, 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 the feet warming thing would be outstanding. Just something. Yeah. Something to warm. See, warm all the things. That's what I want in the car. I'll, I'll I'll go with the infrared driver monitor that's, that's in the F-150 I'm driving. You know, to, okay. To make sure that you're watching the road. You know, that you're because, you know, we, we have all these laws in a, you know, a whole bunch of states about, you know, it's illegal to hold your phone while you're in the car, uh, you know, illegal to text and things like that while you're driving. Yeah, that's great. But, you know, that doesn't that almost never get unless unless a cop happens to be sitting next to you, you know, while you're looking down at your phone, you know, it, it never gets enforced. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you had a system that was looking at, you know, where where are where are your eyes looking? You know, make sure your eyes are watching mm-hmm. the road instead of looking down at your phone or or anything else. You know, and the the beauty of that and and actually this is something that, you know, will almost certainly be coming to all vehicles uh, in the next few years. Um it's increasingly being added now, but one of the things in the infrastructure bill that was passed by Congress is that um, they directed uh, NHTSA to develop a, a regulation to pr- try to prevent drunk driving. And this is actually probably the route that, that, that they're going to take is with driver monitor systems. Because, you know, these things can not only tell if you're distracted and tell if you're drowsy. You know, I mean, we've, I'm sure we've all driven at times when we're too tired to, to be driving and, you know, mm-hmm. we felt like we're falling asleep at some point. Um, you know, so it can detect all of this. And then, you know, just if it, if you're not watching the road, you know, or if you've become incapacitated, if you have a heart attack or a stroke or something, you know, or, or go slip into a diabetic coma, um, you know, any of these situations, you know, then start slowing, start slowing the car down, uh, turn on the flashers and bring it to a stop. If you're, if you're unresponsive, very simple, it's cheap, easy it works and you know it'll it, that will actually probably save a lot of lives all right final one uh more of a, a statement than a question here i think uh, from bryn Berenshausen. um wanted to uh share an unfortunate experience my friend is having trying to get a ford maverick he ordered one back in october a lariat with the premium package to replace his hy- hybrid fusion and was told to expect delivery in april his dealership called this week asking if he'd be willing to drop the bedliner so he could get it sooner. Otherwise, he shouldn't expect it now until next year, which wow. I'm assuming means 2023. Uh, he said, sure, before he realized it meant dropping the whole premium package, including the adaptive cruise control, something that's a deal breaker for him. Oh. So today, I met him at a Hyundai dealership to test and drive a Santa Cruz, and now he's most likely going to get that instead, even though it's not a hybrid. Um, I suggested he not cancel the Maverick order, just wait for it, and sell it when it does come. 
but these are the games that dealerships are playing that really irritate people and give a bad reputation to the industry as a whole because we suspect the dealership wants to be able to sell it at the market-adjusted rate now instead of the MSRP price that they agreed to in October. And mm. unfortunately, Bryn's probably right about this one. That is probably exactly the case. And you know, to be fair, you know, again, this is not a situation unique to Ford dealers. You know, right. every manufacturer is experiencing this. Experiencing this, um, and uh, you know, there, there's even been you know lots of reports on the Tesla forums over the years of, even though Tesla doesn't have independent dealers, of you know Tesla doing things like this. You know, when customers have gotten you know delivery dates for their cars, and then you know day before, a couple of days before. Um, they, you know, they get a call saying, oh, you're, something's happening. Your car's not going to be ready. Uh, we're going to reschedule you in, in about three weeks. And, you know, then that car ends up getting sold to somebody else, some, you know, somewhere else. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, this, there, there's all kinds of shenanigans that go on with retail and it's unfortunate. It needs, yeah. needs to stop. Yeah. And I mean, it's, and it is fortunate that there's a, there's a competitor. Yeah. That Santa Cruz, because the only thing that's kind of close to the to either of those is the Ridgeline, which is bigger. So it's not it's kind yeah. of a competitor, but not really. It's in a the Ridgeline's in a sort of weird spot right now, because um, at one point that was the sort of like, hey, you just need a truck to do things, and you're not right. you don't need something that's lifted off the ground. So, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, that's if you that's, need, if you that's need a mulch hauler. Yeah, you need a haul mulch or you need to haul some things. I really like the Ridgeline. My wife was very upset that it wasn't an EV. Because she was like, she liked it because like the, the way the seats folded up in the back, and then the dogs could I do like in the, the back. And, it's a comfortable and a, little truck. Yeah, and you, you yeah. lift up the tr- the bed, and there's like giant like you could put a make a jacuzzi, I guess, out of it. The trunk and <laughs> the trunk under the bed. Now the original yes. a great a great uh, vehicle. Um, but uh, yeah, Santa Cruz hunting. It's a win for Hyundai and that dealership. Now that dealership yeah. has it. That I mean, this is the person who had two who had a Ford hybrid before that. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah, they it, didn't just lose a the sale; they lost like it was a conquest sale for now for Hyundai. I mean, yeah, for, um, yeah, for Hyundai and, because and they yeah. sold. You know, Hyundai needs to get a, a hybrid version of the Santa Cruz out they fairly do. quickly. And you know, the Santa Cruz is based on the Tucson, which is already available as both a hybrid and a plug-in hybrid. Um, so you know, it should be pretty straightforward for them to you know drop that stuff in there into the Santa Cruz. And I suspect that maybe for the 2023 model year, you know, maybe this fall, we'll see something like that coming from. Hyundai dealers, especially given the the success of the uh, the Maverick Hybrid, you know, and how popular yeah. that is. it's it's so. it's very weird. I, I just find it odd that like Ford came out and they had the, the Maverick Hybrid. You're like, cool, but they didn't have the Escape, not the Escape, sorry, the Bronco the Sport Bronco Hybrid. Sport. I'm like, all right, and they didn't have a Bronco Hybrid, which yeah. in the four by E's out in the world. Nicole yeah. has one. <laughs> I do. Yeah. And so and. It's out of- Frozen and, in my driveway, covered in ice. <laughs> and then Hyundai came out, and then the the you know the Santa Cruz came out, but and there's already the hybrid powertrain for that platform, and you're just like, ah, we're just gonna do. It. I'm I, I'm, always, I'm always curious. I always want to be in the meeting. I always want to know like because they had to do some sort of research with some people somewhere and said, okay, this year we're gonna do this, and then later we'll do this. I, I'm well, just I think, curious, yeah, what I the mean, timelines yeah, are have, for all having these. having been in some of those meetings. You know, it's probably a case of okay, we've got this much capacity right now to build the hybrid drive units, and this much capacity for batteries, and you know, to you know do the certification for. We know we can sell this many hybrid Santa Fe's and Tucson's, um, and 
you know to add it to to add it to the um, you know to the Santa Cruz, we're going to have to take away some volume from Santa Fe and uh, and Tucson, and you know it's going to cost us this many Extra millions money. of dollars to do another certification for the Santa Cruz hybrid. Uh, so until uh, we have more, so that means that see, you know, they're you still going to sell the same number of total hybrids, but now spread over three models instead of two. Uh, so, you know, until and they the get growth market is the growth market is the Santa Fe and the Tucson. Right. So until right. they get some additional capacity for batteries and the other components, you know, then, you know, and that's, and it's probably the same thing is true for Ford, uh, you know, with the Bronco and Bronco sport uh, that they're waiting until they ramp up more capacity for yeah. all the components they need. So. they, they, Sure, they sell a gangload of those escapes because they're everywhere. Yeah. Absolutely everywhere. They are. All right. That's it for this week. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And, you know, if you like the show, give us a rating on uh, iTunes or Spotify or wherever wherever you're listening that, uh, that has a rating system. It always helps. And, and tell your friends. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.